Coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech, Amazon Echo could be a paid service in the future. OpenAI is worried about AI's use in the elections. Apple is running into rough seas with the Vision Pro launch. And Ubisoft believes you should own nothing and be happy about it. All that and more coming up today on Eagle Eyes on Tech. It's going to be one you don't want to miss. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or it's 2 a.m. Go to bed already. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. CES is done. We don't have to worry about any more bizarre awards. We don't have to worry about any more weird pieces of fiction. Instead, we can worry about the cold, harsh reality that is settling in. Also, in addition to all that tease, I realized one thing it didn't include at all because there was so much other weird news we needed to talk about and concerning news. Samsung had their Unpacked event. We actually do have to talk about the S24 and what it features. Spoiler alert, it's not as exciting as a lot of people want you to think it is. That's just my opinion, though. But first, I want to talk about something that is going to be very, very interesting someone in chat says eagle drabs s24 when the funny thing is that actually uh, my s first off i have an s23 so i really don't want to grab a s24 already just because you know i still have last year's and it would still cost me a pretty penny to do so but my phone since i can actually show this since it's pretty much almost always a video podcast anyway has this weird cluster of pixels that happen during a drop this happened at, at work. There's just these, this little cluster of stuck pistol pixels. So at some point, so already I do have a, a, a bad screen on my phone. I'm just dealing with it. And so I don't know. It just is what it is. We'll get to, I'll get into more about my thoughts on the S24. I'll, I'll tell you, I'm not impressed with it. I really am not. But again, we'll get to that. I'm also not impressed with Amazon. I'm really not. Okay. If there's one thing people know my stream for, okay? Besides just being that one guy who has that podcast that talks about that tech stuff, which appears to be the only thing people think about when they just like, oh yeah, Eagle, he's a great streamer. He, he does a podcast. <laughs> but if there's anything else, it's also the fact that I have an Amazon Echo hooked up to my sound mixer. We call it the idiot puck because of all the dumb things it says and the times it just spectacularly gives you bad info. Amazon, however, in as early as six months from now, wants to put on the table to actually charge for all of their Amazon Alexa services. So all the sort of stuff that your Echo device does now would end up being a paid service, but upgraded. It is planned to be called Alexa Plus. You notice I am saying it particularly strangely just because people say that whenever I say Alexa, it triggers all of their Echo devices. 
And then whatever I say afterwards ends up becoming a command. Yes, I just intentionally said Alexa just now, just to tick off those people. See, I am both considerate and inconsiderate at the same time. You're welcome. I play both sides of the table here. <sighs> Chat says it didn't work. Darn. Here, let's try it again. Alexa, remind me to watch twitch.tv slash Eagle Falcon tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central Time. It tripped mine all the way over in the kitchen. I just barely heard it. Anyway, now that I played myself, the whole idea with the service is that this version of ALXA Plus is going to use, take a guess, just take a guess, all right? I think you can figure this one out. What could they add to the Echo that is on brand with current technology trends? Oh my God. All right, anyway, now that I tried to unplug the Echo Puck and then plug it back in and then buzz my ears out and no one else heard it, we move on. Zone in chat says blockchain. No, 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 no. We're, we're, we're in the year 2024. This is the year of not ray tracing. This is the year of AI. Come on, come on, come on. The plan is to add generative AI. Surprise. Here's what I will say, okay? There is, there are rumors, okay, that this would replace general echo use, okay? A lot of other sources saying it will not be, it'll just be a paid service you can do in additionally to the base functionality. I'll say this, you better have a bloody good service. That thing better work flawlessly if you expect me to pay per month for it, because let me tell you, the only thing I ever use the Echo for, besides having it dance like a clown on stream, is literally to set timers in the kitchen and leave notes for the rest of the house. That's it. And quite often it goes ahead, by the way, would you like to do this thing you never wanted to do? And every time, it's really annoying. Like already the echo concept has kind of worn out its welcome. So this sprucing up and expecting us to pay for it has gotta be something extremely special to make anyone think about it. And if it's gonna be the only option, <laughs> well then the lot echoes are gonna be unplugged. Let me tell you. Someone else in chat brings up a good point too. It depends if they wanna put this charge per device i hope not if it's per device like let's say it's ten dollars per device all right that might be that might be like the absolute worst case scenario that's way too high i'm sorry it just is if it was ten dollars for the one amazon account that's a bit easier to swallow but i still think to be people who wouldn't even ponder that the report doesn't say anything about prices but in the end, we'll just have to wait and see. This is all rumor. I want to stress this. This is all rumor and reporting right now. There is no solid evidence quite yet for this sort of thing. And also with the uh, very growing, just kind of, here's the thing with AI, all right? Odds are if you listen to this podcast, you're kind of in tune with the technology space, okay? We're here. In the technology space, we look at generative AI 
and say, there's potential, but I just don't know how truly useful it is. It's very interesting for demonstrations. It's very interesting for kind of concepts and quirky little projects here and there. Like, oh, hey, let's do let's do an April Fool's joke. Let's have the entire podcast be scripted by AI. It'll be funny. But that's about all it is in the actual technology space right now. Microsoft has AI all throughout their new office suite. I don't know a single person who uses those bits of AI functionality. A lot of people is just like, it's just there. What does it do? I don't know, but it's there. And that's us who are actually like in the thick of it. Let's step outside that bubble for a minute. Besides middle and high schoolers using it to write essays for them, who is actually using AI? I'll be honest, I don't know. It seems like this whole push towards AI and everything AI is just all going to a customer base that just simply doesn't exist. It has the same kind of feel as Facebook going all in on VR and the metaverse only to find out that nobody wanted VR and the metaverse. But sticking on the bandwagon that Meta does really well of going all in on an unproven thing that they aren't sure if people actually want, I give you this push. The push of Mark Zuckerberg wanting to create general artificial intelligence. This would be a step above the current status of AI that we have right now. And granted, even the current step of AI that we have is not what it says is. We call it generative AI. It really isn't. It's what's referred to as a large language model. It has no ability to comprehend what it's saying, which is also why it frequently hallucinates. Generative AI theoretically would not hallucinate as much, but can just go off into the woodwork. General artificial intelligence, theoretically, would be able to understand what it's saying. To which I have to ask this. Do we trust Meta to go ahead and create anything that understands anything? For crying out loud, Meta doesn't understand themselves! You really want Facebook? To be the one to create something that has an understanding of anything? Facebook. The one that doesn't understand human interaction. Facebook. The ones who I swear is led by an alien lizard person. And quite possibly the one that was shut out of the lizard people Illuminati for being the weird one of the group. But no, 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 no. We should trust Mark Zuckerberg to create the first general artificial intelligence give me a break come on no 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 mm, no we're not gonna do that i just look meta can't create a vr space that has legs you really think they have the brain power to create actual general artificial intelligence D do you really do you really think they have the capability of creating artificial intelligence that can understand? Here's a spoiler for you. No. No, 
they just simply can not. I have no faith in this whatsoever. Speaking so of things I have no faith in, OpenAI has a plan looking towards the 2024 elections and how they're going to go ahead and make sure that AI is not abused to spread misinformation about varying political parties in the elections. I hate to break it to you, OpenAI. Um, you're late. Look, they're going to find a way around it. Everyone's found a way around it. Your entire thing is open source. Someone in chat says we don't need AI to do that. Oh, but here's the thing. Okay. If there's one thing in the political space that matters a lot, it is a thing called sound bites. Sound bites has been a thing that has been used in politics for a very long time. Okay. That's where you take a snippet of a political official speech and then use that in campaign ads against them to say they're for something that they're actually not or that they actually are for, but then they keep trying to say they're not. Okay. And then because nobody wants to go ahead and actually report on the story legitimately because news outlets are just special that way, you end up having to go ahead and look up the actual speech speech yourself and then just go, wow, I could have used those 30 minutes to go do anything myself. Now, here's the thing. What if you use AI to create a soundbite that never existed? That's the danger. Because it is very difficult to go ahead and take snippets of someone's speech and try to make it sound like they're for something they're not, all right? And that's also why politicians speak very, very rehearsedly, specifically to avoid that sort of thing. That no one can just go ahead and cut out a few words and make it sound like they said something they didn't. Boy, if you didn't need that. What if you can just take five minutes of them talking about something completely random, throw that into an AI, and then make a sound clip of that politician saying something absolutely horrendous. That's the worry. That's why, that's why AI used in this election is so terrifying. And then of course it works both ways. They could say something totally horrendous it being used and then they could try to lie, lie about later saying, oh no, no, I never said that, That's, uh, that was just AI. Now you have a much harder time trying to dis discern what was said or what wasn't said. But it's okay, because OpenAI is gonna go ahead and have a whole plan to prevent this sort of thing from being used, right? Right? Folks, I don't wanna sound like some kind of doomer here or some kind of crazy conspir conspiratorialist or anything like that, but OpenAI is open source. Anyone with enough motivation can go grab it, run it on some hardware, even, you know, not that powerful hardware, just wait longer, and then bam, they have what they need. OpenAI can put this statement out all they want, but this election season is going to suck far harder than any election season before it, and it's all thanks to generative AI. And this kind of thing we've been warning about for well over a year now. All right, are we thoroughly depressed now? Are, are we all 
thoroughly, thoroughly depressed? Well, don't worry. I can spice that all up thanks to our next story. The next story talking about how once an AI model has exhibited deceptive behavior, it can uh, it can be basically impossible to correct. Difficult to near impossible, all according to OpenAI competitor Anthropic, which I'm not gonna lie, I've kind of heard about Anthropic in passing. I did not realize they were an AI competitor to OpenAI. So that's a little concerning. And it kind of makes sense because once the, the, the once these AI models kind of get going, the longer they get they go, the worse and worse and worse they seem to get. Like it's no joke. It just seems like the longer they're, they're up, the dumber they get, and the more they hallucinate, and it just gets worse and worse. You can kind of correct things. You can try and steer the AI back on the right path. But if it starts trying to be deceptive, you now don't know how it's being messed up, how it's hallucinating, because it's trying to deceive you, and then you just can't fix it. That's the theory anyway. So what now? What do you do now that you know this? I don't know. I really don't know. But it is something that we need to keep in mind as we look more and more at at all these AI models. AI models, I should put in quotation marks. Meanwhile, Microsoft wants to go ahead and bring Copilot Pro features, which is not to be confused with Copilot, 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 or Copilot. Don't confuse Copilot with Copilot. Keep that in mind. But Copilot Pro the features for Microsoft Office is going to be available to the rest of us for $20 a month. I have to ask, what could you possibly offer that's worth $20 a month? Like seriously, what what could it possibly be? Well, for the for the extra $20 a month, you immediately unlock Copilot and Office apps which Will also appear in Outlook, and that appears to be it. You, you get AI in there. This is the thing, all right? This, this is the thing that drives me insane with all these kind of AI services. None of them can explain why you need AI in these features, which also makes me wonder, all right, as someone who does know how AI works and how... AI can be helpful in circumstances. How in the flying flock does Microsoft expect to sell this to the non-tech enthusiasts? You already have it a hard sell to me. And we're basically just saying it, 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 has, it offers AI to your office. Okay, but what does that do for me? It lets you work smarter. What does that mean? <laughs> What? <laughs> Why should I be giving you $20? Like, could you imagine if someone just walked up to you and just be like, hey, hey, g give me 20 bucks and I'll show you something amazing. Actually, no, this is literally, this is literally a bit from Futurama where Bender just goes fishing blows. What do you say we make this interesting? Aaron just goes, yeah, okay. And he says, hey, here, everyone kick in five bucks. Then he counts the stack of fives. And he goes, there, wasn't that interesting? That's AI! That's this! That is literally this! 
We just had money vanish for a wallet and we don't know why. And we've gotten nothing. <sighs> Microsoft, this is a challenge you need to overcome. And quite frankly, it's not one you're overcoming very well at all. But you know, at the very least, um, Microsoft's AI-powered reading tutor is now available for free. So you have a hallucinating tutor now at your disposal for free. That's what I need to do. I need to have a, a tutor that I need to double check their work as they teach me. Just, just let, let that sink in. Just, just let it work its way in to your head. Okay. Comprehend what that's supposed to mean. That is the insano land we currently live in. It is complete and utter madness. You know what's even crazier though? Is that with all of this crazy AI nonsense, all of the everything that Microsoft has done that makes no sense, all of this that just makes our brains melt as tech enthusiasts, and just makes us go, okay, Microsoft, what the heck's your big plan? Because even I don't know what you're doing. Microsoft has passed Apple as the most valuable company in the world. I, I don't understand. Why? How? It, it just, but why? Now, fortunately in this case, a lot of this is because of other acquisitions, both their work in artificial intelligence, but also other acquisitions such as GitHub, is helping to lead to their new, well, their, their new stature, okay? This now puts Microsoft's share value, its total company value at 2.89 trillion compared to Apple's 2.87 trillion. So while AI plays a role in their new evaluation, and this is, now keep in mind, all right? This is just what Wall Street believes it's worth, all right? So before you go and say, well, AI makes you more valuable somehow, Wall Street suspects that AI is going to make Microsoft is just the way of the future and you need to be all in on AI because it's the future, okay? But here's the thing. AI is kind of on a weird legal state part, okay? You can see AI being used for evil in the way of the political misinformation I was talking about earlier. You can see AI being used for evil in the grounds of, say, just an example, um, training an AI model on all of the unique design work for a very iconic video game, making a new video game using the artwork generated from that AI and very quickly making a survival game based on that kind of artwork and sell millions of copies within the first two days. You don't get what that's referring to. Don't worry, we'll talk about it later. But there are potentials such as getting a good bit of inspiration for work that you're working on, getting a bit of code fixed and something that you're not too knowledgeable in, going ahead and having various bits in here proofread. The thing is, is that Right now, the bad outweigh the good. And it's kind of the Wild West in this sort of thing. And what can have it all come crashing down is one big elephant in the room. Copyright. I will tell you right now, if 
the New York Times wins their court case against OpenAI, and there is a definitive ruling made by a judge that large language models cannot use copyrighted material, and that is considered plagiarism and can be persecuted under the law, Microsoft's value will crash so fast, it will cause economic panic in the tech sector. Don't doubt me. Now, I do have to stress, not financial advice. I am a tech enthusiast with a microphone. I am not a financial expert. The, C the CPA I hire, to, I hire for, the, 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 I know the CPA that, that uh, I subcontract um, our tax work to, if I didn't say that, would go ahead and like show up my door and then just shake me by the cuff of my shirt. Just be like, you, Ugh. This whole AI thing, I'm telling you, that court case is gonna mean so much. And what may end up happening is that it's just gonna be settled out of court. And if it is settled out of court, that is just gonna kick this time bomb just down the road. Zona in chat asked, do we hope the New York Times or Microsoft wins? <sighs> if the New York Times wins, AI would then be barred and forbidden from basically training on any work that is made by a person that is copyrightable. And based on how some copyright does work, this actually covers almost all art, almost all creative works, and then drastically slows down this style of artificial intelligence. If Microsoft wins, it ends up being a huge blow to people with talent, as it then means that, say, for example, my ability to make up crazy voices and be able to have a modicum of voice talent, or those who have far better voice talent than me, are now obsolete because anyone can just go ahead and take use AI to recreate my voice or any one of the silly voices I can do or just go to the original source rather than just having, for example, my impersonation of Monokuma. Why would you go ahead and take my, try and copy my impersonation of Monokuma where you can just use an AI and copy Monokuma? It would make all that kind of talent pointless. It would eventually make most kinds of art that artists make to a degree obsolete or rather just something that is then enjoyed nichely as then most other kinds of artwork are then just done with AI. And it ma makes for a very concerning future for the arts. At least that's all theoretical and in, in it, it, it's all theoretical. We're in very much uncharted territory and that's just a guess of what could happen. For once, I'm actually hoping the New York Times actually wins this one. Because quite frankly, I can't go in, copy an entire New York Times article, not credit them for it, and then pass it off as my own work. I cannot do that. I'll go in, I'll take press releases, I'll go ahead and take like the general gist of like a Verge article, but I'll go ahead and bring my take, my spin on it. And a lot of the times, 
I'm using multiple articles to get you the information that I've gathered. Despite the fact you only ever see one. For now though, all we can do is wait and see how things go. But we're gonna take a break for right now. While we're done talking about Microsoft coming up next, we, I wanna talk about Apple. Cause there's actually a lot of interesting Apple news, including possibly some rocky waters for the Vision Pro that's coming up. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. We definitely didn't have any technical difficulties. Nope, no siree. Definitely didn't. Uh, didn't definitely didn't do an entire segment with no recording. Def that definitely didn't happen. Why, why would you think that? That's definitely not a demotivator either. Why, why, why would you think it would be? All right, I want to talk about Epic versus Apple. If you recall, all right, it's been a while since we've talked about Epic v Apple. Epic brought a lawsuit to Apple, swearing that uh, their walled garden at iOS is in fact a monopoly and they lost that court case and been appealing it all the way up to the Supreme Court to try and reverse the outcome. Unfortunately, the Supreme Court has now spoken mostly because the Supreme Court really only talks about like really cases that have like a huge impact. Tons upon tons upon tons of cases go all the way up to the Supreme Court of the United States of America. And quite frankly, they take maybe 1% of them, if that, because they want to make sure the cases they do talk about are actually have some kind of long-lasting impact. To go ahead and get in, in between the squabble of two companies, they really only get involved unle unless there's something that really needs to be corrected. And, well, the Supreme Court has, has said, no, we don't want to hear it. Tim Sweeney says he's going to go ahead and continue to fight to open up iOS. It's a sad outcome for all developers, but he's going to continue to fight on. I don't know where he's going to go within the United States. If it's going to be a new line of attack, trying to bring up a new case based on something else, or is it going to go outside of the country? I don't know. It's going to be pretty difficult because Epic has in fact had, well, quite a bit of financial trouble. Epic games has been one of the companies that has had to slim down quite a lot in recent days and a lot of it due to just how much of an absolute money vampire the epic game store was the cause of this whole thing a lot of it just coming from the various exclusives they went ahead and tried to secure how many pc gamers out there just didn't want to even touch epic game store because they kept trying to secure exclusives paying large sums of money money and it just looked absolutely anti-competitive it was awful who would want to deal with anything like that well now that's proven proven to be a massive bleed on the company they lost their court case so there's gonna be no epic game store on ios there is gonna be one on android because they did win that court case but they're gonna continue trying to fight it to which i'd say good luck you're gonna need some money you're actually gonna need a lot more money because Epic or Apple does plan on suing Epic Games to pay 
$73.4 million in legal fees, most likely. So Apple can try and regain some of that money to bring them back up in the top slot, seeing as how Microsoft just took it away from them. Or, you know, they just want to have Epic pay for their lawyers. Because Apple's kind of petty like that. Are you surprised? I'm not surprised. You probably shouldn't be surprised either that that's going to be going on. Now, while that's all going on, Apple has another thing going on, and that's going to help their bottom line as well. The Vision Pro is going to be coming out on February 2nd. Pre-orders are open now, but people are already seeing that these pre-orders are being delayed. Is it a general delay for the Vision Pro, or is there some kind of shortage going on, or are they just selling that many that they're selling out? Who knows at this point? It's very difficult to say. All we know is that right now, if you're going to Apple, like I am right now on another screen, and try to pre-order the Vision Pro, their homepage is saying available starting February 2nd. But if I try to order the thing, I am then asked to grab an iPhone or iPad with face ID and find the right size for you. I can't order this thing because I don't have <laughs> Hold on here. All right, maybe it's actually glad we had technical difficulties. You need an iPhone or iPad to order this dedicated computer. Are you mad? What? I'm not making this up, by the way. I'll, I'll show you all, all the visual watchers, all right? I go here to the get started, okay? And I can see the pricing, fortunately. 256 gigs is $3,500, 512 gigs is $3,700, and one terabyte is $3,900. And that seems to be the only options. There's no other processor options, it's just that. Or if you need various different kinds of prescription or reading lenses, there's a $99 upgrade or $149 upgrade for this thing. But for all this sort of thing, for get started, I get a Apple custom QR code thing and yeah, grab, and it says, grab an iPhone or iPad with face ID to find the right size for you. I only own one device and it's an older iPad that does not have the right size for you. That is insane. That is actually crazy. Oh my God. How much you wanna bet that it doesn't work well? I am willing to bet it is not gonna work well at freaking all. Holy cow. That's a special breed of WTF. Wow, that's crazy. But now shipping estimates are going all the way to March. Does mine actually show when mine will be delivered? I don't know because I can't scan it. <laughs> I can't scan my face so I can't get a shipping date. Oh man. How did they sell out? All right, there's there's also I'm, I'm I'm now down this rabbit hole. I'm dedicated now. There's a section that says here's a few tips to buying even easier. All right. <laughs> here's what they say for a few tips for making purchasing even easier. It says have a phone or iPad with Face ID ready. It doesn't say what to do if you don't have one, like at all. <laughs> uh, uh, uh. 
have an iPhone or iPad with Face ID nearby. When you buy an Apple Vision, buy Apple Vision Pro, you will need to scan your face with an iPhone or iPad with Face ID. This helps us determine the right size, light seal, and headband, which work together to give you a precise fit. That's it. If you don't have one, I I, I guess you're just SOL. Make sure your Apple your Apple Store app is up to date. And then make sure you have your vision prescription handy. I just... Th this can't be real. This can't be real. I'm gonna go ahead and try to ask a so-called expert. To get, when I click on the Ask an Apple Vision Pro Specialist, I get visit Apple support, order help, or connect with a specialist. I'm gonna go connect with a specialist. Get the option to chat online, call us, or sign sign with us online using ASL. I'm assuming that me oh oh that that's assistance via American sign language. Okay. I'm going to click chat with us online. See where that gets me. All right. They ask how they ask how can I help me? I'm going to type in how do I pre-order the Vision Pro without an iPhone or iPad? We're going to see how long the uh, the text thing helps with that. Um, it's actually just a robot. Uh, nope, they are instead trying to go ahead and sell me an iPhone. I'm going to try and restate that I want to buy the Vision Pro. I'm just an infinite oop. It just thinks I want to buy an iPhone. Guys, I got a bad feeling about uh, the Vision Pro. I was a little skeptical that it was going to be a successful uh, item. Just based on the fact that it was a $3,500 headset. And that might be even too hard to swallow for um, for the Apple loyalists. But um, there might just be enough people that are going to be too frustrated to actually buy this thing. Because I, I, just, I just have a feeling that the app to measure this whole thing is not going to be very good and have all kind of errors. I'm going to take a look during the next break and just see if there's just like stories of people struggling to pre-order the, the Vision Pro. And keep in mind, this isn't even the only hurdle. Reports are out that YouTube, Spotify, and Netflix will not be available on the Vision Pro at launch, on top of being extremely difficult to order. Everything is starting to line up. This launch is not looking good. Because keep in mind, they are selling this as spatial computing. They are trying to sell this as the future that replaces your laptop that replaces your desktop. This is the next evolution in computing. And it won't have basic things like YouTube, Spotify, or Netflix. And keep in mind, this thing is all supposed to support iPad apps natively. And it won't even have these even in the iPad format. So what is going on in the development cycle with these things? I mean, remember what Steve Ballmer says. He got on stage and just pounded the table. Developers, 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 developers. You don't have developers. You are doomed as a platform. These are three huge names and what people do on a daily basis for entertainment. And they're just not there. Netflix, less so. YouTube and Spotify, on the other hand, those are huge. And no, I'm not just saying that because my podcast is on Spotify. Like, you ask anyone, what do they use for music? You have like a 70% chance they're going to say Spotify. We'll have to wait and see just how 
the Vision Pro ends up going. Meanwhile, though, Apple is running into another problem. That is what is going to happen with the iPhone App Store in the EU. Because remember now, the EU requires Apple to allow sideloading. You have to, have to, have to allow sideloading on the iPhone, which means Apple's split of 70-30, taking 30% for themselves and 70% being kept to the developer, would go away with this. There's now ways to get things on the phone without giving Apple their cut. So what's the plan? Apple plans on splitting the App Store in two and taking a 27% cut of anything on the EU side of things, whether it's sideloaded or not. If you ever wanna know how tight Apple's death grip is on their 70-30 split, this is how tight it is. They are willing to try and spit in the EU's eye and still make sure they get, get their, their cut. I don't know if this is gonna fly. Here's what I do know. This is gonna be very, very, very entertaining. So go ahead and get your popcorn. I can't wait to see Apple going ahead and spitting back at the EU. Meanwhile, though, Apple has overtaken Samsung as the world's number one smartphone seller. Apple is now the leader. Android still has the largest market cap, but Apple now sells more phones than Samsung. So Samsung, you're not on top anymore. You're not the smug top dog anymore. Hmm. If only there was some way you could make your phones more enticing. Maybe adding features that Apple refuses to. Maybe adding something like um, a headphone jack. Maybe some expandable storage. Maybe removable battery. Maybe not charging a kidney for your highest end phones. Maybe. Maybe being price competitive. Maybe not pricing your stuff so expensive that it makes Apple's pricing actually look reasonable. This has been one of the biggest gripes I had in regards to Samsung's phone pricing. Their ultra phones are actually more expensive than, than Apple's highest end phones and don't have many new features. They have like one new feature. This camera right here can zoom further in than Apple's. That's it but they try to justify this as being hundreds of dollars more expensive than Apple's highest end phones. So I for one welcome the fact that Apple has kicked off Samsung as top dog. Maybe that means Samsung might have to do this crazy thing called, oh, I don't know, compete, not treat their customers like actual turds. Go on, Samsung, do it. Actually go ahead and innovate, go ahead and spit back at Apple instead of being the complacent, absolute abysmal company that you have been lately. Because I'm not going to lie. Samsung has been so bad in the way they've treated their customers. I have legitimately pondered going to Apple. As I possibly said earlier in the podcast, I don't know if we lost that footage or not. The only thing keeping me in Samsung's boat right now is the fact that the UI in... um on the iPhone is awful. 
as I may or may not have said earlier, I don't know if we lost her or not. <sighs> but we'll just have to wait and see how things are going. I did very quickly try to look up if there's any people who are having problems trying to pre-order the Vision Pro from Apple. All I've seen is that apparently across overseas, it is nigh impossible to order the Vision Pro or pre-order the Vision Pro. Apparently people are having tr trouble getting the face scanning thing to work too. But there's only like a couple posts in Reddit about it. So it doesn't seem to be too big of an issue. I'll have to wait and see how things are going. Someone in chat says Samsung is not the only Android, so you still have choices. You do, but the other choices just don't have the same kind of prowess as I'd like to see. That and also a lot of your other choices are like, oh, Xiaomi, which is yet another sketchy Chinese brand, or OnePlus, which is now owned by a sketchy Chinese brand. There's Asus, which their phones have looked kind of interesting, but their latest line looks like they're pricing their stuff even more astronomically high than Samsung with worse cameras. There's the Pixel phones, but God, there's so much AI nonsense going on inside the Pixel phones that it's just like, oh great, I've taken a picture that is nowhere close to how it really was because it was so corrected with AI that it might as well just be a different picture whatsoever. And it's just, it's disappointing. It really is. Speaking of, let's actually talk about the Samsung phones. What was announced at the Galaxy Unpacked event? What do you think the latest buzzword was at Galaxy Unpacked? All right, it's two letters, starts with an A, ends with an I. Can you figure out what it is? All right, before my live chat can go ahead and come up with a whole bunch of really dumb answers that also start with an A and end with an I, I'm just gonna tell you, it's AI. It's artificial intelligence. Their big pitch was the fact that these Samsung phones will have a ton of AI features built into it. That was the big push. So the S24 series is going to be all about their AI features, including live translation. Yep, chat did it. The newest feature is the Apple Teeny. You nailed it right there. So using AI, the new Samsung phones will be able to have live translations. We'll see how well that works in time. I'm always skeptical of software features because here's the thing. Anytime you see a software feature being demoed on a stage, you should not trust it at all. Never, ever trust it because odds are better than not. The demonstration was faked or it wasn't faked, but they did intentionally pick a scenario that was best for what they're trying to demonstrate. So, you know, you see things like, oh, as the live translation, it can go ahead and have perfect, accurate skin tones. It can go ahead and have expressive text with AI on Google messages. A lot of these things they actually announced really are just AI features built into Google Bard. And it's just basically a Samsung device with Google Bard put into it. And that's basically all we're getting down to as well as then also, you know, AI features built into the phone as far as like the camera and whatnot. All right. Also, strangely enough, uh, during their thing, um, they had Pokimane 
come out and say that she loves the fact the new phones have better ray tracing performance because that's why she plays on PC is for ray tracing performance. I guarantee you no one, including Pokimane, including anyone, actually games on PC specifically because of ray tracing performance. Literally no one. Because even on PC gaming, we don't view ray tracing as like an ooh, ah. We, we view ray tracing as a hindrance that is sucking away our precious frames, especially since GPUs are so expensive we can barely afford them. And here's the other thing, okay? They pronounced Pokimane's name wrong. They called her Pokemon. That doesn't really matter a whole lot. I just found it really funny. So that's kind of where we're at right now. The S24 series of the Samsung devices look very similar. You can actually even see on the Ultra phone, it looks very similar to mine. The screen size is also pretty much exactly the same. The only difference I can see at first glance is the fact that I think their camera lenses are raised a little bit more. And then there's two mic holes at the top, whereas mine only has one. That's it. Otherwise, the cameras are upgraded. The processor is newest gen, so they're slightly faster. Battery life is no doubt a little better. Ray tracing performance, of course, is better, which is just kind of brand new in the mobile space anyway. But it's still early generation, so you're, no one's going to go ahead and use ray tracing anyway. But it's there for the future, which, I mean, whatever. For the most part, nothing really new hardware-wise is here other than generational upgrades. The only other thing that's been introduced is software. That's it. Also, the, um, the S24 Ultra features a titanium frame, which I've never heard any other phone ever use ever. Nope. Never. I've never seen any other phone ever preach about titanium and that's a revolutionary thing to do and even put in tremendous amounts of advertising during sports ball games advertising about the iPhone 15 Pro? Is that what we're up to now? 15 Pro that has a titanium frame? I've never seen that. No, this is the first time we've ever seen it. Yeah, I actually think my phone, I'm pretty sure my phone frame actually is aluminum. Yeah, it's not Megadeck at all. And I don't have a razor blade next to me to test whether it is aluminum. Oh, wait, no, it actually already chipped here. Yeah, no, my frame's aluminum. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's already scratched. It's clearly aluminum. We just went straight from aluminum to so-called titanium. Someone in chat asked, is it real titanium? I'll leave that to Jerry Rig everything to decide. Here's what I'll say, though. If you're going to go ahead and purchase your phone based on whether the frame is titanium, stainless steel, or aluminum, I think you're a little silly. I would only care if the frame was made of, like, plastic. Then I'd start caring. But as long as, like, some kind of metal that's structurally sound, I really wouldn't care. Something like being made of titanium would only matter if I'm going ahead and getting this as, like, a construction phone... And then it better be like a titanium frame surrounded by like thick amounts of freaking ruggedized rubber with like waterproof up to like 40 meters and you know, that kind of like rigidity. But just saying like 
Ooh, it has a titanium frame. You put it on so thin it doesn't matter. It really, really doesn't. But that's all there really is to the event. It is almost all software, and it's just kind of on that sort of boat in general. I personally would recommend just skipping this generation entirely if you are looking to get a Samsung phone. That's just my personal opinion. But, I mean, you do you. I'm not your real dad. We're going to take a break here when we come back. I want to talk about everything they have with YouTube, as well as some interesting things within the gaming world. We'll be right back. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so YouTube had a bit of drama this week, though. <laughs> this was actually really, really amusing because outrage very quickly built up this week. And it all started thanks to this from YouTube. All right. There was a concern that YouTube was slowing down users that had ad blockers enabled. <laughs> yeah, this is actually a thing that that happened. People, anyone who actually had, I think it was actually specifically the same ad blocker I use, which is, um, right, where is it right here? Is it right here? Yeah, uBlock Origin. People who had uBlock Origin enabled basically saw their YouTube speeds go down to a crawl. Like, it took almost half a minute for anything to load. And that's half a minute longer than normal, okay? And you'd see CPU usage spike on the browser as a result of this. So it looked like this was YouTube's new way of counteracting the ad blocker. Now, before you judge me too harshly, I actually do pay for YouTube Premium because I do use it very frequently on my phone. And one of the best features I actually found for YouTube Premium is the fact that I have my phone off and still have music playthrough. I basically use YouTube as my Spotify when I'm driving. Just have the audio play through my earpiece as I'm driving. It's pretty much very easily justifies the premium price just on there. So, and the best part is, is that this actually affected people who had both ad blocker and YouTube premium, which is even more baffling. So this is it, right? Raise the pitchforks. Oh, raise the pitchforks. YouTube is going too far this time. Going ahead and just actively hurting anyone who dares to use an ad blocker. Ooh, you dare to go ahead and use tools to go ahead and enhance your usage of the free and open internet? Oh, this is how we're going to punish you right here, right? Raise the pitchforks. Light the torches. It's time we take the fight straight to Google's door. Or not. See, this was actually, oh, I was wrong. It wasn't uBlock Origin. It was actually AdBlock Plus that was actually the problem, not uBlock Origin. My bad. This actually wasn't YouTube's doing at all. It was actually the AdBlocker's problem. In one of their most recent updates, it created a bug that caused video slowdowns. This was why it affected everyone, including people who had YouTube Premium. So very quickly, you had tech outlets 
have to come do a complete 180 going from Google stepped way too far this time in trying to control the open internet to, oh, maybe, just maybe, ad blockers should go ahead and slow down a little bit and actually test their products just a touch more before bringing it all live. Yeah, just a, 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 a little bit of a whoopsie doodle right there. That being said, Google did make a big update to its incognito mode. Mostly by telling you that, yeah, we're still gonna, we're, we're still stalking you, even in incognito mode. They went ahead and made the dialogue for going into incognito mode a bit more clear that others who use the device won't see your activity, so you can browse more privately. This, however, will not change how your data is collected on websites, which is exactly true. They have always skimmed your data on various websites, despite the fact that the dialogue being used on these websites made it, or on the incognito mode made it seem like that Google was not tracking you, even though it 100% was. That's right. Google knows that you went to that sketchy porn website. They saw you search up that weird stuff. Oh, they saw it all. And they saw what you watched too. You dirty, dirty watcher, you. I can't believe you decided to go all the way to that side of the internet. Naughty, naughty. They knew it all. Now they'll use this blackmail. Or, you know, sell you ads on it. You know, something to that affair. Either way, it's going to make for a very strange Amazon recommended search down the road. Uh, it's uh, Who cares? I mean, if by now you didn't realize that anything you do on the internet is going to be watched by everyone, I don't know when you're going to learn. All right, let's shift gears, like, wildly. There is now an official standard for laptops. All right? LP Cam 2 is now officially a new standard, all right? This new standard of RAM will replace the SODIM in laptops, and it will feature higher speeds than SODIMs could. It takes up less space than SODIMs and is just far superior. So for those of you who don't know, you actually can upgrade the memory in most laptops. Now, this one, like I'm holding right here, you can't upgrade this one. It's too thin to go ahead and have swappable memory in it. And also getting in it requires you to uh, take a hot gun to the screen and pry it apart because it's a tablet. But on other laptops, like say the one I'm reaching for right here in my bag actually does have SODIM slots. In fact, this one in particular has four of them. It has two underneath this bottom lid here and another two underneath the keyboard. So in fact, a couple of screws, I could go in and swap out the memory, which is also why this one has, this is, this is why the SODIM standard is so nice because a mobile workstation like this uses SODIM to go ahead and have absurd amounts of memory. Now, CPU manufacturers are finding it more efficient to just have the RAM directly on the CPU. Apple does it now with their Apple Silicon and in fact, Intel and AMD are starting to move the this direction too for speed purposes. So does this mean 
that LP cam, this new standard that replaces SO dims, I actually wish I had an SO dim on me, but I don't. Does this mean the standard is dead before it even started? Well, no. It's going to be an uphill struggle. I think most laptops are just going to go ahead and have either soldered on memory or they're just going to go ahead and use versions of Intel and AMD processors that just have the little bits of RAM on the chip already. That's going to have their 8 or 16 gigs on it. But for something bigger, like this mobile workstation I'm holding right here, this silver laptop, LP cam will, in fact, probably still be used, possibly in combination with onboard memory with the CPU. Like, for example, this laptop I'm holding right here has 64 gigs of RAM on it. He says, now doubting himself as he says it, I'm actually not sure how much memory does this thing have. I'm pretty sure it's 64 gigs. Fortunately, the battery on this sucker is really good. And also has a really quick boot time, so finding out it's not going to be hard at all. Watch, now it actually takes a while. Oh, wait, no, it's just not an update, so it actually is going to take a while. But you get my point, all right? These kind of laptops that are professional mobile workstations, machines that are meant to have crazy high-end processors, crazy high-end graphic cards, crazy amounts of RAM to go ahead and support all their RAM needs, they're going to make use of LP cam. Your average PC probably won't, but that's just going to be what ends up coming. So LP cam is going to be a good standard. It's not looking good for them right off the bat, but trust me, it's not going away anytime soon. It's not already dead in the water. Uh, nope, I'm sorry. This laptop only has 32 gigs of RAM. I thought it actually had more. Oh, it actually has two open slots. So I could actually e very easily bring this up to uh, to 64 gigs. I just need uh, two 16 gig sticks that matches what it has. Neat. Go ahead and put that, that away. Gonna need tomorrow at work anyway. But if you think the standard and this move towards soldered on memory is bad, you're going to hate this. Ubisoft is saying that you should be comfortable with the thought of not owning your games at all. Just not at all. Ubisoft is trying to push their new subscription service, Ubisoft Plus, and they're saying in order for this to succeed, gamers need to accept the fact they do not own their own games. Let me tell you something, okay? I'll tell you what, I'll agree with you on something. I should be comfortable with the fact that I will not own any Ubisoft games. All right. You are hundred percent right in that regards. I should in fact accept the fact that I will not own any Ubisoft games, mostly because I'm just going to avoid them period. You see in this crazy thing called the free market, there is a concept that I am a huge fan of. It is called voting with my wallet. The amount of money in my wallet is a finite resource, contrary to what a lot of people want to believe. And thus, I have to make decisions as to where I spend said money. Ubisoft may be able to say that, you know, paying, how much are they charging for this, uh, for this thing? $8 a month for going ahead and adding, oh, I'm sorry. $18 a month, and then an additional $8 a month 
for back catalog games. No, no. I do my best not to swear on this, but um, no, absolutely not. I want to use stronger language. I simply won't. I am instead going to be the bigger man and instead speak as a gentleman and say that Ubisoft, you can enjoy not having a single cent from my wallet. It first comes with the problem that a lot of Ubisoft games just simply aren't that appealing. Some games like Far Cry, it's like, eh, maybe someday I should play that, or eh, the Prince of Persia games are kind of interesting, or, you know, Assassin's Creed, a lot of people say I should play that. There's that sort of things. But I mean, when you do something like this, you just be like, well, should have played. Something becomes won't play. And having the mentality of this pushes even further. If I'm willing to go ahead and cut Activision Blizzard, who actually has games I want to play completely out of my life and not give them a single cent because they continue to treat their employees like hot garbage while continuing to partake in even more predatory actions than what you're doing right now, whereas you're starting to go down the same path with the subscription model and then not even making it worthwhile. And then on top of that, trying to say that I should be comfortable not owning my games and just pay you money for the right to rent games from you. Ubisoft, you're making a very good convincing argument as to why piracy should exist. I'm not going to say that people should pirate their games, but by God, Ubisoft, you are doing a very good job of convincing people that they should pirate your games because by pirating your games, they would then own their games. They would actually be in control of their games and they would actually have a better experience than obtaining your games legally. I mean, for crying out loud, look at right behind me. If you look at the set behind me, you will see, I would say close to a hundred different video game cases for games I have bought because I would prefer to have the physical copy so that down the road, if I felt like going back to that game, I have the physical hardware to do so. So that if a company decided it's no longer profitable to run this game, I can still play it like I did in the good old days. Your argument of saying that we should be comfortable not owning their games, you're right. We are going to get comfortable with the feeling of not owning our games, of owning your games. We're also going to get comfortable with the fact that we're not going to play your games. And quite frankly, good sirs over at Ubisoft, you can go pound sand and then figure out after you're done pounding sand, how to actually make a game that is worth playing and then figuring out how current gaming juggernauts go ahead and sell the millions of copies they are. Figure out how Baldur's Gate got so well received, sold so many copies, or how Pal World sold millions of copies. Because you know what? Pal World might be a controversial game right now because people are questioning its origins. But here's the thing. If I go ahead and pay $30 to Pal World, guess what? I own the game. Can I say that about your service? No, no, I can't. Just something 
to think about. Speaking of, why don't we actually talk about Pal World? Okay. Pal World has just kind of surged onto the field. People are calling it Pokemon with guns, but it's more like the survival game arc with a Pokemon with guns skin on it. And there's just something a little bizarre about the game, okay? First off, you'd have to be blind to not see that a lot of the PAL designs, the monster designs in PAL world are heavily inspired from Pokemon. Some of which just being what appears to be straight up rips from Pokemon. The company in charge of PAL world does even have a history of trying to work with generative AI art in video games. We do not have any proof as of yet that Pal World had their models made from generative AI using Pokemon games as a model. There's no proof to support this, but it, it, it does seem to be a very good theory when it comes to the, the, the design of this game. And it may land the company in legal trouble down the road, depending on how copyright with AI does pan out, if it does turn out they did use AI in this manner. But for now, they are a game that does have Pokemon-like features that instead of taking the normal Pokemon formula, instead adds exploration, survival, and very much seems more like an arc or a rust or any kind of those games rather than a traditional Pokemon game. And it is going gangbusters right now. I want to, what was the last statistic we had from Pal World? The last thing Pal World announced about its statistics on how much it sold was in fact, 4 million sales since their launch in less than three days ago. For an indie studio, that is huge they have also now overtaken cyberpunk 2077 as the most all-time peak for users playing at any one time in the paid game category in the history of steam they have outdone cyberpunk 2077 elden ring new world hogwarts legacy Baldur's Gate 3, Valheim, Call of Duty, Terraria, Fallout 4, their all-time peak has outdone them all. Stone Chat said nearly 1 million concurrent players. 1.1 million concurrent players. They have actually surpassed 1 million concurrent players, and it's not, it's not by a little. It is huge there are some there is some other co concerning language for pal world one thing that actually concerns me greatly is that by streaming pal world the company pal world owns any footage regarding your gameplay in pal world to use as they see fit it's not quite worded that way but it is worded very vaguely and it makes it sound like they can use stream footage of their game for whatever they want. Whatever that would be. What would that be? I don't know. 
but it has caused pause with someone like myself in streaming this game. Because what does it mean they're going to do with my streams when I stream it? It raises some questions. Should you look forward to me streaming at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon? I don't know yet. I would think if I do, it would be as a collab with another streamer before anything else. I think that much is... I think that'd be the only way I personally would touch it. But maybe I'll at least take a look at it off stream. Anyway, do you want some feel-good news? How about some feel-good news? Peanut Butter, a famous speedrunner, has beaten an obscure 1985 NES game live for charity for the first time. Okay. This was a huge clear for gaming history for one big thing. The streamer with the on-screen name of Peanut Butter is a Shiba Inu, is a dog. Yes, a speedrunning dog has beaten the NES game Gyromite for charity at AGDQ. And quite frankly, I mean, what's our excuse? If the dog can speedrun, why can't we? Why aren't you speedrunning right now? Why am I not speedrunning right now? I don't know. The dog can do it. Why can't we? This should be the kick in the rear we need to get up there and, and start trying to speedrun some older games. Someone in chat says they don't want to speedrun. The dog is speedrunning better than you right now. <laughs> I couldn't keep a straight face saying that statement. <laughs> I'm just imagining just like some father scolding their child. Like, why are you not playing video games right now? The dog is playing video games better than you. The dog is playing Elden Ring better than you. <laughs> Uh, someone in chat says they tried to play with Ro Gyromite is the game that's played with, with the, with the robot, isn't it? Anyway, if you want to see that speed run, just Google awesome games done quick and peanut butter. And I guarantee you, you're going to find it. AGDQ went ahead and put all of their segments up on YouTube. Go ahead, take a look. I mean, I have nothing bad to say about AGDQ right now. I, they had some tough, they had some... Didn't they have some controversies like a couple years ago? I think that was all cleared up though. Like, I don't think there's been like any charity scandals with AGDQ. I lose track so much of just like how many organizations you thought were on the up and up. And it turns out there was just like massive embezzlement going on. AGDQ is still clean, right? We say completely unsure of ourselves. In any case, good on you. AGDQ raised like something. How much did they raise for for charity this year? I believe this was um, AGDQ. I want to say is the Cancer Foundation, and then SGDQ was for Doctors Without Borders. Let me actually quickly look up AGDQ. I'm willing to bet that Games None Quit showed right on their Twitter how much money they they, they raised a grand total of two point five million dollars for the Prevent Cancer Foundation. I remember when GDQ was proud to come close to a million. And then when they finally broke a million one year, it was just like this huge deal. They were just absolutely ecstatic about the fact that they broke a mill. 
they have now since then doubled it and then some. Keep in mind, this is ju just what they raised for that week, for the week they ran the speedruns. It's crazy. It really is. By the way, out of nowhere, just so you know, uh, EA decided out of seemingly nowhere that uh, uh, Plants vs. Zombies 3 now exists. It just exists now. Is it good? Is it bad? I, I don't know. Apparently, though, it has, excuse me, only launched in certain countries, including the UK, the Netherlands, Australia, the Philippines, and Ireland. Unfortunately, Plants vs. Zombies 3 will be free to play, and it will be microtransaction based. Wah, wah. Which, unfortunately, is what kind of killed Plants vs. Zombies 2 for most people. <sighs> Man, now I'm sad again. Remember when PopCat wasn't owned by EA? That was great. All right, let's get back to weird stories, shall we? I was actually torn between these two next stories, which would be the second weirdest story and then the weirdest story. Here's the second weirdest story. Will I Am is presenting a new podcast called the FYI Show that will debut this week. I'm not going to say when. You can go ahead and find that yourself. I'm not going to go ahead and... If I'm going to advertise for another podcast, I, I, I want to have like at least five bucks. <laughs> Look, either I like you or I get five bucks. It's going to be one of the two. <laughs> Everything has a price, and I know my place in the podcasting world is really low. So my price is pretty bloody low. But the thing that's interesting about this podcast is who the co-host is. Rather than go the route of this podcast, where I felt that I can cover the role of... Not needing a co-host enough that I can do the podcast solo. Which, as I've learned by trying to get fill-ins, actually is kind of a rare talent. I didn't think it was. But man, days where I'm not feeling well and I need a co-host, there's you'll find out, hey, there's no eagle eyes on tech. Because not everyone is willing to go ahead and run solo like I do. So, who is the co-host for the FYI show? It is an AI-powered co-host called QD.PI, or QDPI. It's going to be the co-host about his music, pop, culture, and technology sh show with his artificial intelligence co-host premiering on Sirius XM, as well as inevitably, like any other talk show, being launched as its own standalone podcast as well, oh boy, this is going to be interesting. <laughs> that's all I can say. You know, maybe that's what we need to do here. Maybe I do need a co-host. Maybe I need to have my own AI-powered co-host. But then again, the current use of AI isn't really all that impressive. In fact, some uses of AI are just outright hilarious which brings us to the last burb the last story they the weirdest story of the week ladies and gentlemen i give you the laziest use of ai to ever blight the planet one of the things that is the problem in the modern world is amazon listings amazon is a huge problem right now of just complete and utter garbage filling up all the catalogs of all of shopping and the moment I said Amazon, you know exactly where the story is going. Because the number of people who showed me the story was never ending. But by God, it's still hilarious. 
the amount of garbage that is actually flooding Amazon is so bad that all the people who English is not their first language has turned to new methods of trying to find ways to name their products so that they'll be very attractive for them to be searched on Amazon. So ladies and gentlemen, I give you the hail lusty. I apologize. I, but I cannot fulfill this request as it violates open AI use personal gray 7.8 inch table length, which has a picture of six chairs. Or how about the dresser known as, I'm sorry, but I cannot fulfill this request as it goes against open AI use of policy. My purpose to provide helpful and respectful information for $325 or I'm sorry, but I cannot fulfill this request. It goes against open AI use policy black folks. We've done it. We have reached peak, not giving a hoot in our e-commerce because you know what the best part is. There's one part about this that is still absolutely hilarious. These listings stayed up for over three days after this story came out. Bravo. Bra freaking bro. Fortunately, if I go ahead and search on Amazon now, I cannot find these kind of items after they have been called out for this sort of thing. Pretty much all of them are gone now. That being said, I do totally want to have a t-shirt made that just says on the front, sorry, I cannot fulfill this request as it violates OpenAI's general use policy t-shirt slogan. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out my other works over at youtube.com slash eaglefalcon, and also check out my streams, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care, and hopefully we'll see you around. Take care. Bye-bye. Also, I'd like to apologize for last week. We did have an error in making the podcast. The final segment that actually had the Verge Awards did not make into the primary podcast. It was released later on in an extra episode of it. We didn't put any ads on it or anything. It should just be up there and able for you to grab. Take care. one thing I just haven't done recently. I just haven't gone around and actually made it like a merch store. I don't know if people actually would get anything from it. You know, we used to have that sort of thing and it's just like, yeah, you just gotta go get designs and all that sort of thing. Maybe that's what I should do. Just go ahead, go to OpenAI, grab every single kind of error that comes up and just throw it on a shirt.
Does that sound too sellouty? I don't think it actually sounds very sellout-y at all. Mostly because I haven't sold out to anything. It's just being lazy. Much like the freaking Hillusty, I apologize, but I cannot fulfill this request as it violates OpenAI's general use policy, gray 78.8 table length. It doesn't even say what the length is based on, and it shows chairs. It's just, you, <laughs> I can't get over it. It's just, it's so special. I just can't even.